Hi everyone and welcome to the Parma podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Really great to be with you all today and um, I'm really excited today because, um, well firstly, we're doing another one of my geek philosophy episodes, kind of pop culture um, and philosophy and spirituality and all of that. And um, second, because um, I'm welcoming back one of my best friends, uh, Melissa. Welcome back to the show. Woohoo, thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, Melissa was on the show earlier in the year sharing her story and talking about grief and deconstruction and and things. And I am um, delighted to have you back to talk about Free Guy. Um, yeah. Um, this is going to be an excellent episode, I know it. So... Um, I just want to give some spoiler, spoiler, a spoiler alert. There will be spoilers in this. In this, if you haven't seen, it. <laughs> um, um, if you haven't seen it already, why don't um, <laughs> see it? It's on Disney Plus right now. You can watch it, um, and it's awesome. So, it's a movie um, starring Ryan Reynolds and Jodie Comer, amongst others. Um, it is about a character called Guy who is essentially a um, an artificial intelligence in a computer game who doesn't realise he's alive and discovers that he's alive and doesn't realise he's in a computer game and then realises that he is um, and follows a set of programming that he thinks he just that's just how the world is and he has to he has to do these things uh, he has to act that way he has to talk that way to people and that's how it is. And then suddenly starts to realise that it's not like that. And that actually he has freedom to choose his own way. Um, that's kind of the synopsis. Um, and it's it's really interesting. Um, and um, and the computer game, in, the, in this game, there are participants who, obviously the people that are players, like us, uh, and in the computer game, these characters all wear glasses, right? So, and the people who are just part of the computer game don't wear glasses. This is really important for our discussion later, hence I'm telling mm -hmm. you. Um, because, um, uh, yeah, it's really, really... The metaphors in this movie for deconstruction, for oppressive systems, for um, anti-capitalism, all these kind of things, they're all in there. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and, uh, yeah... So, kind of, what was your just to in, just to kind of introduce it? What was your first experience of this movie, Melissa? Oh goodness, um, my first time watching it was actually for your birthday um, when we streamed it with some folks, and that was that was incredible for me because I hadn't seen it obviously, and I hadn't even really heard of it, um, and so being dropped into the middle of a video game was thrilling in some ways. And then watching this character go beyond his programming, like it, it hit me a lot deeper than I really expected it to. I thought it was just gonna be like a silly fun movie, which I'm totally fine with as well. Um, but yeah, I found myself really resonating with this journey of realizing that I am more than what I'm potentially programmed to believe I am. Um, and I have access to more within me than I realized I ever did. That was, that was really cool me to watch and feel wow that's awesome i didn't know that was the first time yeah <laughs> that's just uh, that's kind of 
Wow, I'm, I'm so glad you got to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for me, it was, I saw it, it was the first movie that I'd seen in the cinema for about a year. Oh, wow. Uh, a lot when it came out, I think. Maybe apart from Black Widow, maybe, I think. Was it last summer? Yeah, apart from Black Widow. Um, but it was the first movie that I'd seen for ages, which wasn't, which wasn't an IP, which wasn't like an MCU movie, or wasn't a Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. movie, or wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a, like a, something that we know of. Like it was something completely new, um, mm-hmm. and it took me completely by surprise, honestly, when I saw it, as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I cried at the end, and I, I was like, I have to come and see this again. It's like, it's just, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I just was not expecting it to be what it was just like you yeah. um and yeah i mean yeah the real the real power for the real power thing and the real kind of oh what's the term i'm trying to think of the term but the kind of deus ex machina in this movie is is the glasses it's yeah the, it's the glasses that the the players the, the players wear uh, and they can see what's really going on in the world, like things that the the computer, the AIs can't see, and um, and so they're interacting with that, you know, while everyone mm-hmm. else is just getting on with their their lives in inverted commas. Uh, but yeah, and it's just yeah, and suddenly yeah, he puts the glasses on, doesn't he? And it's like that moment is like whoa. <laughs> Like this whole different world opens up in front of him that we we actually hadn't seen till that point either. And right, yeah. What's that, also interesting for me about the glasses concept is that, like, dually, yes, when he puts the glasses on, he realizes there's an entire element to the world that he was unaware of. But also, these gamers and the players who are playing, they can't take their glasses off. They can't experience the world that he experiences with the glasses like I think in some ways toward the end of the film especially which I know we'll get to but you know it's almost like he he accepts a good portion of what he what he already knew or already experienced and I love like I love that concept too it's like yeah there's the glasses there's being opened up to things you didn't even know existed like there's that and there's also this element of like what he what he already had within him that he didn't even realize you know Mm, that's true yeah that's right. They kind of his awareness of the real world, as it were, <laughs> <laughs> the reality of the world that he lives in, uh, uh-huh. opens him up to more of who he is, uh-huh. and gives him almost permission to express that and discover that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's and. I mean, that resonated so much with my own journey of, as I kind of, as I kind of left kind of toxic religion, Mm -hmm. and I started to see the world more as it was, I started to see the, 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 the huge problems of capitalism um and yeah the oppressive systems that were 
that were there. Um, that is when I started to do embodiment work and I started to go into myself, mm. get to know my own body and started to um, discover who I actually have been all along. You know, and mm-hmm. I, was doing, I was doing internal family systems therapy at the same time, going into my brain. It was all like, it was, it was, a, it's a very similar experience of like, I suddenly see things how they are. And yet I'm actually a lot of work, a lot of things are going on inside of me at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I think um, one of the moments that really stands out for me later in the film um, but it's speaking a lot to this, is that moment so toward the end of the film, um, after Guy has gone through a ton of character development and journeys and whatnot, he comes back to his best friend's house. His best friend is named Buddy. He's um, a security guard at the bank where Guy also works. And so we've spent a good portion of the film at that point completely forgetting about Buddy more or less, because so many other things have happened. So he goes back to his friend Buddy's house because Guy has this realization after he finally realizes this whole thing is just a video game and that Guy does not exist in the real world. He starts yelling out to anybody who will hear him. It's all fake, it doesn't mean anything. They go back to Buddy's house and he asks him um, something like, if you knew it was all like fake, what would you do? Um, and Buddy says this thing that just still sits with me. He says basically like, it does, so what? So what if it's fake? So what if it's not real? I'm sitting here. So what if I'm not real? I'm sitting here talking to my best friend, helping him work through something really difficult. That that has meaning, even if I'm not real. Like this moment feels real and it has meaning. And so that feels like a huge part of my journey. So like there's, there's definitely the coming back to who I already know myself to be. Um, coming back and working within, like inwardly, um, through my own new spiritual journey and embodiment and therapy, but also a sense of finding meaning again, finding meaning in the present, finding meaning in my participation and what's going on around me. Because there is like, for some of us, when we go on this kind of journey, there is that moment of, oh, is it all meaningless? <laughs> it can be kind of scary to get stuck there. So watching that scene happen, that's all like a huge um yeah, like a huge moment resonating with me also. Yeah, and I, yeah, that was, that's a profound scene, that is. That is, <laughs> that always just, it just centers the whole movie in a sense. It's like yeah. the heart of the movie. It's, who cares what is actually real? This moment is real. I feel yeah. it, you feel it. We're here. We're having this conversation. We're present. Mm-hmm. So it's real. Um, and that is profound. That's what I've that's what I've said for ten or fifteen years about social media. There's no such thing as in real life friends and <laughs> social media friends. Like it's all real. Like the emotions that you feel, the intimacy yeah. that you feel, the connections that you have, they are real. They're with real people living in another part of the world. Yes, and maybe you haven't seen each other physically. Yes. But they are real. I mean, I've met people who I've got to know as friends in the digital space. And when we've met in person, it's like 
we've known each other forever because we have known each other for a long time. And because mm. that connection is real, it wasn't just like through a computer, it was a real tangible connection. Uh, I, I, met, I met somebody I knew online recently in person for the first time. And mm. the connection that we had immediately was real. It was like, yes, this wasn't just a something we had on a computer screen or on Zoom, this was real. And we've just proved that it's real because when we met in person, it was exactly, it was even more deep than it was online. Like, yeah. Uh, and that, that, that scene, that, that, that segment plays kind of emphasizes all of that, that, you know, mm -hmm. that um, these connections that we have are real. Um, and the importance of being fully present in our lives. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Totally. I do think, um, speaking to that a little bit, there is this element, so toward the middle of the film, I know I'm jumping around, but toward the middle of the film, um, Guy, once he has these sunglasses, he can act like a player in the game, and he falls in love um, with another player. She doesn't realize that he's not an actual player, but she basically tells him, you know, I won't, I won't talk to you and take you seriously until you level up. And so he has to run around and level up. Um, and gain points in the game in order for her to take it seriously. Regardless, he chooses to do it by being the good guy. Mm. And I only bring this up because when I think about online relationships and people who say they're not real or whatever, there are online interactions that don't feel real. And for me, that's like in this movie, when you have players that are running around being absolute douchebags. They're not enjoying the game. Like they're not, they're not taking the time to get to know other players or to experience it. They're just doing whatever they want to get points and feel high or whatever. Whereas you have this guy, his name is Guy, but you have this guy who is taking time to know by name all of the other NPCs, non-playable characters. Um, they get to know this gamer that he's sort of falling in love with. Like essentially it's almost like two different approaches. So I agree with you when I meet people on Twitter or elsewhere who pause and recognize my humanity, I feel like we build an equally meaningful relationship than anyone I know in person. But when people don't, when they just view me as a username or as a thought, the thought that I put out there instead of me as a person, you can tell by the way that they attack or the way that they dismiss it's almost like they they push aside your humanity. They don't want to interact with that. And that's like, those relationships are, they totally feel fake. Like, I, I don't know how to describe that. I know it is a real interaction, but like, it just, it's yeah, a little yeah. different. No, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure they'd say that to my face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like trolling, isn't it? That's yeah. people who don't, who don't, and there's lots of people on social media who do not, recognize your humanity i see it a lot who don't understand yep. that people are human and that have and that they have feelings and they have mental health and they have anxiety and trauma and, and they have imperfections and like and just want to be horrible and act like they're not real you know it's like um, yeah absolutely and that is what you see in those people in the, in the game often like you just want to blow everything up i mean i was the movie I, makes it funny it's not funny it's horrifying but the movie makes it hilarious <laughs> yeah i mean it's horrible yeah it's horrifying i mean i <laughs> i was 
I was, uh, I mean, I didn't mean funny. I didn't mean funny, I didn't, ha ha. I mean, I meant funny, interesting. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, no, I mean, I, the point I was, I was getting to is like, it, it just made me stop and think was all these people playing the game get points by killing and violence and mm -hmm. destroying things, right? Um, and, um, and just, I mean, I'm not just, not even, I'm talking unhealthy violence, you know, aggressive violence, like murder and blowing things up and destroying buildings, yeah. killing people, like, you know. And Guy does it by protecting people, saving people, doing the right thing, you know, um, stopping people from dying, you know, um, you know, that kind of, and it's just, there's this kind of whole paradox, like, in that you don't have to you don't have to kill people to or hurt people or blow things up to be a to be a good person or to be successful to be happy like you know yeah. like it's made me think about how often we go into computer games or, or even movies and we kind of sit and enjoy people getting beaten up and blown up and dying and you know, and like, and guy, yeah. completely the different perspective. You know, um, and it, it was it was it's a really interesting thing. It reminded me of Superman seventy eight, where Superman doesn't land one punch in the whole movie. There's no, mm -hmm. doesn't hit anybody, um, doesn't destroy anything. Like he saves people, and that's what guy does. He saves people, um, and. He builds up tons of points that way. Um, yeah. And it, it was like, it was so counterintuitive. And um, I was really fascinated by that. Totally, yeah. And it does, it does kind of speak back a bit to, like, not just my faith journey, but also what I've witnessed in, in other folks who have kind of gone through the bumbling process of leaving a specific type of faith system and moving toward whatever. Um, moving toward liberation, most importantly, but wherever else they, they wander. There's this interesting moment for me, because up until this point, which is when Guy has um, leveled up enough to be able to talk to this girl he's fallen in love with, her name is Millie, and so he walks her down to a part of the game that a lot of people don't go to, there's no missions down there, and he gets her some ice cream, um, bubblegum flavored ice cream, mm -hmm. and I only bring it up because he tells her a joke. He says, do you want to hear a joke? She says, sure. And then he tells a, starts an awful joke, a very offensive, um, I mean, insert all the isms. Like it's, it's yeah. all, it's all I mean, you know, it's, it's totally offensive. And she cuts him off. She doesn't want to finish the joke. She's like, where did you hear that? And he said that he heard it like a bank robber and his friend or whatever said it. And he memorized it because they laughed and he's been telling it to everyone. And I only bring that up because as he is portrayed as this innocent good guy who levels up by doing good things, he still has that, which is like, I, I don't really know what the equivalent is of, but like basically, you know, when you leave a very restrictive and oppressive faith system that prevented you from properly engaging with all kinds of things, like fully evaluating capitalism and white supremacy and ableism, et cetera, and then you walk out to the other side it's easy to still be wrong. 
Yeah, it's easy easy to still uphold white supremacy. It's easy to still whatever, even if you have good intentions now, even if you're broadening your understanding or whatever. Like it's so easy to still spout hate and not even know it, even though it it is your duty to understand what you're saying while you're saying it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That is a great example of that. As somebody, somebody who's come out of those systems that come out of toxic religion and still is not aware of how some of the things that they believe or some of the some of the ways that they believe or some of the language that they use is harmful and using it and it causing harm um and you know it's i think that's an that can happen a lot and it's not unusual and it's it doesn't mean somebody is a bad person if they do it it just means that they're still learning or unlearning um, yeah and it's it's yeah uh, and that's a really really good point that you know that just because you're out, you're out of the system doesn't mean you're not still influenced by it in some way you've still got things to unlearn yeah. you've still got yeah. to, you've still got language to unlearn you've still got um inbuilt biases to unlearn you still got all privilege to unlearn you know especially if you're mm-hmm. and um yeah that's that's a really important point and again it's another thing that's covered in the movie that that um he's always it's funny how he's often discovering new things and um mm-hmm. just good things as well you know um yeah really interesting that um and I was really fascinated by when he finds out that it's not real. Mm-hmm. When he, it's almost like that's the first time he really understands how bad the system outside of him or that it's been controlling him is. Yeah. There is this anger. Like, um, I joke with somebody, that's when you kind of see the Deadpool Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> that scene all the kind of dark joke all the dark humor starts coming out you know um and and i noticed this as somebody who's been doing this journey for like 10 or 15 years i've i'm seeing other people who have been on the journey who are earlier on in their journey this is this is something i've noticed that there is a season where of of the deconstruction transformation you know unlearning whatever journey you call it whatever language you use that Mm -hmm. journey where you are coming to that realization and where there's a lot of grief and a lot of anger and a lot of which uh, what you were part of and the harm that it is doing to other people and that you were part yeah. of it and that um you want to do something about it and yeah all the all sorts of all sorts of things are mixed up in that and there's and yeah. that comes across i see that anger on social media a lot from people and it's normal because it's it's a mixture of of, of, of grief that you're leaving that behind. It's a mm-hmm. anger at yourself that you were ever part of that, anger that, at the harm that you might have caused, anger at the harm that is still being caused, um, anger that these systems exist, um, and mm-hmm. a sense of kind of almost powerlessness to to kind of just bring them all down. And that is that's a legitimate legitimate form of anger and grief um that's part of the i see it on social media a lot and it's 
Um, and that's what he's going through at that point. He is, he is understanding that, oh, I've been part of this. Um, this has been controlling me and telling me how to live. And I have not been free. And I haven't got any power to stop it. And I've been part of this. And just all this kind of anger just comes out and it's raw. Um, and, you know, he does, he does work it out in the end. You know, but um, um, with the help of Millie, um, but um, who I run and Buddy, that's the moment when he goes to and, Buddy, and that's Buddy, yeah, that's when Buddy comes in as well, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that's Buddy when Buddy comes in, but yeah, with, with the hope of that, those two are really important for his journey in different ways, mm -hmm. like Buddy and and Millie, um, and and ironically, Millie is kind of someone who is outside of that system and has always been outside yeah. of that system um and uh even in even in the real world she is uh, she is clearly anti-capitalist as well um, yeah. you see at the end she's like she's like i don't i don't i don't want i don't want like rights to your computer games to make millions of dollars i don't i don't want that that's not why i do this for you know um I'm not interested in that you know um she literally rejects that um and so it's almost like she is kind of leading helping to bring guy out of that and set him free um and then yeah. in turn helps other um um other kind of you know computer generated characters um to discover that as well and uh, mm -hmm. and it's it's a beautiful thing when it happens you know that uh, that moment where they all decide like no we are not just going to, to do what the system tells us we're all going to go into the cafe and drink whatever kind of coffee we like and party <laughs> there's, there's, you know yeah there's, there's, that that scene has a really interesting element to it. So there's this moment where, as you're talking about, Guy and Millie help gather all the other NPCs and try to convince them that, um, or at least explain to them that they can do what they want, you know? And two things happen here for me. Thing number one is that Guy is trying to explain the like, this is not the real world. And so he's asking Millie, like, how many corpses do you see per hour? How many bank robberies do you witness in the real world? And she's like, oh, none, none. But then he says, what about gun violence? And he's expecting her to say none. And she's like, oh, no, that's, that's actually a really big problem, right? And that, that moment for me, I know it's like a funny little joke or whatever, but that feels so true for when you're leaving oppressive space. Yeah. Because there's this, there's this belief system that like these issues in the world are an individual heart issue. Like we talk about it like an individual sin issue or whatever. And so that's why a lot of, a lot of fundamental um, or fundamentalism within Christianity is really opposed to conversations about systemic issues. They don't mm -hmm. see things as systemic or see them as individual. But as soon as, as soon as you leave that, you're really realizing that like, oh, you know what? Patriarchy isn't just a Christian problem. Like it's, it's out here too. Like there, there are things that are very unique and problematic to fundamentalism, but they also, a lot of them also exist in the real world. Yeah. That's, that's like one thing that really is a small little line, but it stuck out to me. And yeah. then beyond yeah. that, 
in the same scene talking about the coffee shop he um guy tells the the barista that you know she could go go do anything you want and she says like if i want to and he cuts her off and says make a cappuccino um but that's not what she was going to say he like fills that in for her um because i think the the point for me is she then says a goddamn difference in the world that's what she wants to do um and that's like a whole other thing when you're leaving these faith systems there are people who still even if they've also left they still expect certain things of you or maybe they've gone on a different journey than you and now they're judging you on that journey like it's super fascinating to me the level in which that singular scene gathering the NPCs reflects so much of what it looks like to reconsider what could be and what what the world really is like and where you are headed or not headed mm. yeah yeah absolutely um yeah you're right that scene yeah i i just i just love this that scene for so many reasons that's one of them it's just it, it, it's just this kind of oh, i've left the church but all the systems are still there like capitalism um like gun ownership in the states yeah that that's still a thing um yeah. um you know, like anti-abortion laws and systemically racist laws and um you know uh, transphobic laws and all these things they're still there you know just i left the church but those things are all still there those systems are still there they're still a problem that we need to yeah. deal with and we need to unlearn as well um it's not just one thing there's a whole host of things that we need to unlearn and we need to do it in our own way and make our own decisions as to how we respond to that and who we become there's no prescribed way of doing the kind of deconstruction unlearning awakening whatever you want to call it journey there's no one way of doing it everyone has their own journey um and will choose to do whatever they do um, which is what you touched on just then you know um uh yeah and uh and this that's that scene at the end of the movie where um buddy realizes oh, i don't have to be a i don't have to be a um a security guard anymore there aren't any and he said you can be whatever you want like and it's it's yeah. brilliant, you know and he chooses then to go with Guy because they're friends. And that part of it was real. And that part of it was something that he chose. Um, and yeah. And yeah, it's, it's like the roles that we are assigned by society are not the ones that we have to fill. We, we, we get yeah. to choose what we do with our lives. We get to choose how we live. We get to choose how we engage with the world. We get to, you know, we, you know, we, we should have that freedom. And there are systems which still try and stop people, especially people of color and um, oppressed people from doing mm -hmm. that. And we have to acknowledge that as well and try to, you know, deconstruct those systems. Um, because ultimately, all of us should be free to choose the role that we have in the world and choose who we are 
going to be um, and yeah. how we are going to live. And that is that is really, really important. And that 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 moment kind of encapsulates that, you know, it's mm-hmm. um and Buddy again, like when he's when when Guy is you know running towards the um you know the kind of island um which we can't see at that moment and Buddy's with mm-hmm. him and then he realizes he's not gonna make it. Um, but he's chosen to do that of his own free will. Yeah. He's he's chosen to go with him because he wanted to. And and I think Guy apologizes to him for the fact that he's gonna he's gonna you know kind of not exist anymore. And he says, like this is this is the happiest day of my life, like because he was free. And oh. he was choosing his he was choosing what he did he was choosing what he wanted he was doing something that wasn't just prescribed to him um mm-hmm. and the way thing is he comes back you know it's not the end of, it's not the end of him um and yeah and, and again he yeah like that scene i just mentioned where he takes off the the belt right at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and just kind of walks off and just chooses his own life again and that and that that's really profound for me that we get to choose that we should get to choose and that the systems that try to stop us need to be torn down. Um, and yeah, we need to do what we can to try and help do that. Um, and yeah, that that's a really powerful moment, like you talk about. And I would say, even like interpersonally, we have a lot of work to do in being kind and open with people that we knew on either side of the journey. Um, so this is a great example, talking about the end scenes here where a guy is running across the bridge trying to get to the island he knows exists, he just can't see it, but he's about to disappear. They get reunited in the new, called a new world, I don't know, <laughs> you know, um, when the original game is reestablished. Mm. Um, but there, it reminds me, you know, I still have people I'm connected to on social media who I, I was in a very conservative reformed college group with you know and they've stuck with me and it kind of feels like that a little bit like I don't think I don't think we were on the same journey at the same time I don't think we came to the same conclusions at the same time but we've been kind enough about each other's journey (laughs) and so you know there's that end scene when he when guy rediscovers buddy in the the new city or whatever you want to call it um and buddy says something like you know, it's going to sound crazy, but I wrote a centaur today. And something about that just kind of struck with me because I feel like when I do catch up with people I haven't talked to in a long time, I almost preface with, you know, it's going to sound witchy or it's going to sound hippy dippy or it's going to sound insert like whatever my uh, fear is that they're going to judge me about. And then like nine times out of ten, they're like not in the same place or, oh, I'd love to learn about that or whatever. And I just, I don't know, I, I love that about people who are on similar journeys, but I've also watched people who they started the deconstruction journey, but they've doubled down on who they're willing to be friends with or they've whatever, you know? And like, yeah, by all means, put up boundaries when you need to and keep yourself safe. Like don't don't stay friends with people that are super, super toxic to your well-being. But at the same time, if someone's a couple steps ahead of you, like then you have a lot you could learn from them. They, they haven't necessarily fallen off the path. Perhaps they've gone down a path you could learn from. 
you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I understand. And I still have friends who I've known for 10, 12 years who are on a yeah. different journey to me, you know? And, mm. um, and that is, and the fact that we're in different places and yet we're still able to be friends is a, yeah. is a really good, healthy thing. Um, it, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. That's a, that's a, um, you know, we, we might go on different journeys, but with some people, we might still stay connected. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. and what you say, if you need to set boundaries with people, if you need to block or you need to mute or you need to just cut people out of your life, even in a, in a healthy way for your own protection and safety, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's appropriate and totally okay. And I've done that. You know, I've had to do that for my own yeah. emotional and mental health. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's good. It's nice when you're able to stay friends with somebody, even though you've been through different you know different experiences different journeys and in and are in different places that's a you know um because that's one danger that can, of going on this journey is that you can end up just like oh, i'm just going to find more people like myself and just be friends with people like myself mm -hmm. and that is one boring and two it's not really healthy i don't think like to, no. just have friends who are just exactly like you is not healthy you know um yeah i mean i know it sounds a bit corny but even jesus talked about that like um yeah. like what credit is that to you you know um you know if you're only if you're only if you're only friends with people who are like you what credit is that you know, that's not that's not you know, everyone's like that you know yeah. um yeah. it's like you need we, you know i think it's healthy to have people in in our lives who are not like us who are who may may hold different beliefs than us who may be on a different part of the journey than us um, um mm -hmm. who have different experiences than us because we can learn from them and we can grow i mean mutually you can learn from each other and grow you know obviously in different ways but you can grow as a result and yeah help you become a healthier human uh and yeah that's what you're talking about you know it's um yeah absolutely one of the one of the character arcs which doesn't get talked about as much because uh, uh. the character is um and i've forgotten his name my mind's gone completely blank um but uh, millie's co-programmer the guy who wrote the oh keys yeah yeah who wrote the the original kind of you know idyllic um uh -huh. Life itself, right? Yep. Um, the guy who wrote that was that because he he's had this journey where he made something that he loved, and then it and and then capitalism screwed him over and mm. and stole it from him. Um, and it stole it from Millie as well, um, and he's had no choice but to kind of almost become part of the system um, to survive, mm. right? But he's never really a true believer, um, and you can see you can see that from the start. And mm -hmm. like he's he's like trying almost trying to get out. He's trying to break free, but he's kind of scared to start with. But Millie, Millie again, yeah. to do that. She's like, 
you know she's like totally out there not afraid of being outside of the system <laughs> you know but uh, i mean also it helps her that he's still in it out of yes, people it does. yeah he's he's from like, the demo, yeah um um and but by the end of the movie it's like um he's 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 free and you can yeah. see the difference in him like his body language he he doesn't mind when he gets sacked he kind of almost wants to be <laughs> he's like yeah i'm kind of not unhappy that i'm out of here this is not the sort of place i want to be anyway um and yeah and he goes and then and then there's that, that whole thing with the romance between them because as if the kind of the trauma that they went through kind of stopped that stopped that ever happening and they were so immersed yeah. in what they were doing the work they were doing and in the stuff that they'd been through that they didn't even see what was in front of them um mm -hmm. and um and like the whole idea of guy being like a love letter from from him to her is is kind of profound really it's like you know yeah, uh, and and like she's the only one that she's she's the one that gets it last. <laughs> like she doesn't realize it until the guy himself actually points it out. You know that, um, and it, it's really um, that's a really mm -hmm. profound moment. It's um, I love I just love that that whole arc that they have. Um, yeah, um, and it's. Yeah, and actually, it reminds me of this this scene in the movie, which is not related to this at all, but where they're talking about the sequel to the game, uh -huh. and this guy we're talking about says, "Why don't you just make something completely new? Right, just take a risk." Like, and he says, "Like," and he uses yeah. the metaphor of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He says, "Like, you don't give people something new and they like Kentucky Fried Chicken. You just give them." more Kentucky Fried Chicken or something, a variant on it. Yeah, yeah. That is like, that is the whole, that was kind of the relationship between capitalism and creativity summed up, like, in one sentence. It was like, it was, we don't want to make something new and fresh and take a risk and do something, like, you know, wild. We want to just do more of the same because we want to do what sells, we want to do what makes money, we want to do what people are going to pay for, you know, um, We'll just make something a rehash of what's already been successful, and what people actually we know what people want. Just stick with certainty, and that's it. And like that was a that was a huge metaphor for the arts and creativity and capitalism. Like, um, yeah, it's yeah, got so caught up in let's make what's popular and what makes money and let's make money and that's the number one priority that you've kind of lost innovation you've lost imagination you've lost like fresh voices you know it's it's much harder for that to happen in all areas of creativity and that is again it's an it's kind of an anti-capitalist message as well yep yeah you know, this is what it does this is what capitalism does to us it it squeezes the life out of us um I mean, he is literally that guy, um, uh, the head of the computer game company, is literally squeezing wants to wants to kill all these all these AIs, and yeah, um, um, to make money effectively, and he's literally squeezing the life out of them, and yeah, 
Um, and it's just another sign of like another of what that system can do and what it wants to do to us. It, it just treats us in many ways, we're in many ways we are um we are the computer characters. Um and mm -hmm. and capitalism is the system and it just wants to treat us like we're not we're just robots and that serve the system and squeeze every last drop of life out of us and energy out of us until we drop dead. And um yeah and you know again you know that that's another part of the kind of deconstruction you know um awakening journey is is realizing that actually you don't have to be a slave to the machine you don't have to you don't have to live according to the machine you don't have to um kill yourself um yeah. like in service of this system you don't have to destroy your body in service of this system um there is another way um and there is yeah um and we can be free of these toxic systems that try and destroy us and try and suck the life out of us and that's i mean even more broadly that's just how these systems maintain power whether or not you're talking about creativity in the arts and capitalism or if you're just talking about thought and ideology within the church if you're talking about whatever you know when i think back to some of the more fundamentalist circles i was in you know it was very regularly preached or talked about that you know we don't um we don't have to change what we're doing to appease to whatever like we we're going to keep doing what we've been doing or we're going to follow church tradition without reconciling what church tradition has done like you know like we're talking about 2000-ish years of christianity and somehow it's painted in a bright light um and not not saying that nothing good has ever happened but it's ignoring justifying slavery and it's ignoring patriarchy and it's like that that light and so saying that we're going to stick to tradition or we're going to stick to whatever is just maintaining power not meeting the needs of anybody around it and that's yeah super super evident in um his name's Antoine the the owner of that company yeah does not care by the end does not care what his clients want like you know the his employees want to you know just double down on what he individually desires and will go to the extreme and physical violence in the real world to get it it's yeah totally yeah absolutely yeah um yeah that is the living yeah Antoine is essentially the living embodiment of, of capitalism in this movie <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, all he cares about is money profits doing what he wants, control, um, doesn't care about anybody else, doesn't care what happens to anybody else, doesn't care mm -hmm. about making people unemployed and destroying their livelihood, doesn't care about, even doesn't even care about the gamers, apart from what you can get out of them, um, yeah. literally. Um, and yeah, that's everything wrong in the world, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah. And yeah, so it's it. I mean, it's a really incredible movie. Um, and, yeah. And there's so much more we could talk about because, um, you know, there's with the glasses, um, and you know, and being hot and kind of um, being neurodivergent and 
highly sensitive mm -hmm. and ADHD and um, and all that kind of thing. I think we maybe we'll do that in another episode, but because um, I think that's a whole episode in itself. Um, yep. But um, that might be the part two of this. Um, but um, <laughs> there might be a part two. Um, um, yeah, but I mean, when it comes down to it, what was the biggest thing that you learned from this movie? I'm formulating a thought of a feeling. <laughs> One <laughs> second. Um, I, yeah. So the, the feeling that is now thought is based in like the goodness being able to win. Um, because I think, you know, we have these themes throughout literature, throughout movies, et cetera, media about good versus evil and can good actually overcome evil? And um, I think the feeling that I get is that, you know, you have this original game called Life Itself that is good in its nature. It's not about violence, it's not about any of that. It's about the discovery and enjoyment of artificial intelligence and what it could do. And it's bound with creativity. And so then in the end, they get to return to that and it's completely outside of Antoine's controller purview. And I think the feeling that I got from that was, you know, I can get really uh, discouraged trying to do the right thing and put goodness and positivity out into the world that we live in. But also, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with um, finding ways to cultivate that for myself and my immediate community and not, not be so beaten down by the fact that I can't change everything. Because I can't. I cannot change by myself. I cannot change the United States of America. Like the Lord knows it needs a lot of help and a lot of work and a lot of redo. But um, I can change my interactions with my neighbors. And I can, I can cultivate something, a level of kinship with people in my own city. You know, there, there are things that I have control over that, that when I discover and own what is innately true within me, I can cultivate that where I'm at. And so that, that feeling, whatever that is, a really good feeling. It's part of the reason why it makes me cry when I watch this movie. Like it's a, it's a sense of hope that I just don't always have access to. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there is that, that sense of hope at the end that, mm. that this is just the system that we live in. It's not the mm. whole thing. And yeah. there is life itself outside outside. <laughs> right um yeah so um great yeah. well thank you so much um melissa um totally uh, where can people find you on social media um i'm mostly on twitter these days that's where i live more or less occasionally i post a photo on instagram that's about it i'm pretty, I'm pretty uh pretty low-key so yeah i'm on twitter mj weissen w-e-i-s-s-e-n Fantastic. I highly recommend uh, giving her a follow. Um, and, uh, oh, thanks. He is great. I love I love, I love interacting <laughs> with Melissa on social media. <laughs> so much fun. You have so much, you have so many great conversations. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. So um, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, and talk to you soon. <laughs>